You are listening to Weight Loss Made Real, and this is episode 188. I'm your host, Master Weight Loss Coach and Author, Cookie Rosenblum. Today and every Tuesday, I will be your coach and your guide to help you end your emotional eating and lose that extra weight. If you just found me, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. This is where we talk about your habit of emotional eating, which is the main focus of all the work I do. This is where coaching meets psychology, and psychology meets a little bit of brain science. And this is where your problem ends, my friend. So get comfortable. We're going to have a chat today. Before we begin, I want to remind you that if you're listening to me in real time, when this podcast is published... It's not too late to sign up for my free video training. This training helps you unlock that big secret that you're looking for, the secret to ending emotional eating and losing weight permanently. That's your goal, right? It's happening right now this week, and it's all recorded for you, but you have to sign up for it before it goes away. So go to weightlossmadereal.com slash video training, and I will send you those videos right away. It's also in the show notes. So let me tell you what I have for you today. I get to work with amazing women, women who take steps to make big changes in their lives. They take these steps even when they're afraid, even when they don't have a strong belief that they can change. And they have so much evidence in their past that they can't. And yet they go on a journey to do it, to make the change. They go on a journey that's not a straight line up toward the success that they want. And they learn how to not give up on themselves until they get what they want. So today, I would like to invite you to hear Julie's story from a very young age to now being close to 50 and all that she went through to achieve her own personal transformation. Julie started with me as a private client and then as a Freedom Group member, and finally now as a Freedom Group team member, who's a mentor to our members. She has been where you are, so she is wonderfully aware of what you're going through. And of course, she's on my team. She's very compassionate. I want you to hear her inspiring story and see if you can get inspired yourself and start believing what I believe. And that is, if anyone can do this, can lose weight, if that's what you want to do, but even bigger than that, lose the whole struggle around it, then you can too. So let's dive into this interview and don't forget to sign up for that free video course I've created for you. Welcome, Julie. I'm really glad to be here with you today. How are you today? I'm great. So happy to be with you. Thank you. You and I go way back. We have a history. We do. We do. And you've come a long way. And now you are part of the Freedom Group, the whole journey for all these women that are coming in as a mentor, as somebody who's been through it and who's helping other people get through ending the emotional eating and ending habitual overeating and losing that struggle. So I just want to say thank you, not just for being here, but thank you for being 
a part of the whole big journey with me for everybody else. Thank you, Julie. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> thank you because, you know, it's really turned my whole life around. And that's not an exaggeration. So, well, that's lovely to hear. And that's what I want to, that's why I wanted to bring you on today to talk about your journey a little bit so that other people listening to you can be encouraged because you know that our saying is, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. Or if she can do it, you can do it. So I want to share your story with you and, you know, just share what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But um, I just am so inspired by all the movement you've made. So let's just dive in. Tell me a little bit about you related to your weight and how your life has evolved around it and your dieting history. Tell me a little bit about that. I went on my first diet when I was 11 years old. I, I started getting, you know, I went, I was going through adolescence and my mother decided that I was getting fat. Mm. Um, though I wasn't. <laughs> um, if, you look, and, if you look back at yourself now at 11, yeah, knowing what you know now, did you th- do you think you really needed to lose weight at a level? Oh no, 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 not at all. I mean, I was, I was a, I was a thin child, wow. and then I started getting boobs and a butt. <laughs> and my mom said, "You're getting fat. I'm taking you to Weight Watchers." Aww. And so um, I remember, I still remember, uh, because back then it was a, it was a photocopy of a diet, and it was okay. up on the refrigerator. And I, I remember what I was allowed to eat even now, which is telling you, I mean, uh, hilarious. But I remember I was like a nonfat yogurt for breakfast with a half a green apple and a wasa cracker for lunch with a slice of turkey. And then I could have as many steamed vegetables as I wanted for dinner. Woohoo. And, yeah. And a diet ice cream. That was my day uh, every day and a lot of diet soda in between. And so, I mean, you know, yeah, I was 11 years old and that was the start of it. And now I'm almost 50. And, you know, in between, I've tried every diet out there, like many of the people that you talk to. Yeah. Um, and I and I pretty much gained and lost the same weight every year. I, you know, I mean, the thing is, I wasn't overweight when I was 11. But it definitely created a weight struggle for me, because yeah. as we all know, diets don't work. And so that thus began sneak eating and yo-yo dieting and, and um, you know, I was good if I was on my diet, I was bad if I was off my diet, I was good if I was a certain weight, I was bad if I wasn't, I mean, you know, that was the whole, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So it really, you know, your mom probably thought she was helping you. And that was the thinking at that time. Yep. Sure. And you probably just thought, okay, I'll do what they tell me to do, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) But nobody could have projected into the future about what kind of patterns this would set up for you and how much energy. And tell me about that. You know, you went through so many different cycles and everything eventually revolves around, as you said, am I good? Am I bad? Am I high? Am I low? Did that take up a lot of your mental time? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't believe how much time I have spent in my life focusing on this issue. 
um, how much money I've invested into it, how, how much of my brain space. I, I, I don't know what I could have accomplished. <laughs> I could have five PhDs by now. Yeah. The amount of energy and attention I've given to it. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. And quite uh, a life thief. I know that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It, it really sucks out of you potential for who knows what. Yeah. Right. Cause so much of your brain power is centered around the struggle, the every single day struggle. Right. So did you ever learn how to care for yourself emotionally or did you learn to use food to feel better? Were you an emotional leader? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that I fell into every camp, emotional eating, binge eating, and other extreme eating disordered behaviors. But yes, I definitely um, turned to food to soothe. Um, I, you know, I, in, in my adolescence was not easy. I, I experienced a lot of bullying. Um, and uh, I never felt like I quite fit in. I grew up on Long Island. I always wanted to be a musician. And the people that lived in my neighborhood were all athletes. And that wasn't my thing. And I, you know, I, I, I had this secret weight issue going on in the background that none of my friends were going through. I mean, I was the only one I knew on a diet. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, you know, I can remember many weekends I would babysit instead of spending time with my friends and I would, you know, I'd put the kids to bed and then I would eat emotionally. Um, and, and then it would get, you know, it just over time, it just became my go-to. Food just became my 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 comfort. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about your body during that period? I mean, you were told from a very early age that the way you were developing wasn't right, and mm -hmm. you had to do something about it, and that mm -hmm. started the struggle. And then, as you grew up, did the feeling of my body's just not right stay with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it stayed with me through my entire life. I can't say that that's gone completely. <laughs> you know, we've talked about that. Like it, it's, it goes very deep. I mean, I'm, I'm older and I have more distance from it and I can recognize it when I'm thinking that way, but for sure, um, I can track happiness and feelings of worthiness and feelings of lovability and feelings of success to what I weigh as opposed to what's going on in my life or who I am as a person. So Today, Julie, even today with all your understanding, it sounds like it's still easy to get triggered and connect your self-worth with how you think you look. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm much because of working with you, I'm much better to I'm much better at seeing those thoughts and calling them out. Sometimes I get caught in them for a while before I can do that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely something that has carried through as an adult. So I know you started with Weight Watchers and you remember that diet on the fridge, which was very stringent, I will say. And I, I know Weight Watchers has changed a lot, but that was a really tiny amount of food to eat, which puts all your focus on getting more to eat, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, you're that sense of lack all the time. There won't be enough. Yes. Even that has carried through um, into adult life. So I'll, you know, I'll 
sit down to a normal portion of food. And here's also where, you know, after working with you all this time, I can see it and be detached from it, but it comes up almost every time I eat. This isn't enough. I'm not going to have enough. <laughs> right. So it's a thought that you know that's like a you're trained, your brain, your lower brain is trained to keep coming up with that idea because what you went through, it wasn't starvation, but you you were not getting enough food. Right. So now your brain is still trained to be kind of vigilant, hyper-vigilant to make sure that you get enough. Does that sound like yeah. what it feels yeah. like? Yeah. Yes. So that that's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't completely go away, but now you're able to see it and manage it and not act on it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And you see where it came from. Right. So what have you tried through the years to end the struggle? Because I know that you never had a lot of weight to lose because, you know, you were so vigilant about monitoring everything that you ate. What did you try prior to finding me and us connecting and starting your work with me? Uh, well, like as early as, as a teen, you know, at first it was dieting. That was what I tried. And then when I was in college, um, I started going to a eating disorder. I would see eating disorder therapy people, sometimes group therapy, sometimes individual therapy. So I tried those kinds of programs. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would be sneak, I would sneak dieting. <laughs> it didn't work because I would be dieting behind their backs. Right. You know, like I'd be going to Weight Watchers one day and then the eating disorder group therapy the next day. And right. the message was completely <laughs> different. Right. Um, so in order to give up, in order to not feel compelled to keep promoting the eating disorder, you need to stop restricting from that severe diet and you were, you didn't have a peaceful place to land. It right. sounds like. Right. Exactly. So I was doing those kinds of things. Then I went through periods where I just would quote unquote give up and I would say that I wasn't doing anything. And uh, so I wouldn't, I would try not to fi fix, fixate on it, but that never lasted very long. Yeah, so I would try things like intuitive eating, which I didn't really understand at the time. I thought it just meant eat whatever you want. Um, I think, I think, I think I most people still think it does mean that. Yeah, well, also because, you know, Janine Roth's philosophy has really changed, but I did, of course, go through all the Janine Roth books like we all have. And her first book when she talked about eating chocolate chip cookie dough batter. Yes. And for you breakfast, know, yeah. Breakfast, lunch, dinner for weeks. And then she started eating chicken and broccoli. Like, I remember that. I remember thinking, oh, well, I'll just do that mm -hmm. <laughs> because it worked for her. You know, so I tried those kinds of things. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then as I got older and I started work, you know, there were periods where I would come up with my own way of eating and then I would still see therapists and they would try to help me. And everyone was trying to get me to like legalize food and take yeah. away rules, that kind of stuff, it, it waxed and waned. But I never really learned emotional management. So there was never the sense of figuring out why I wanted to eat. It was always centered around how I was eating and what I was eating. Yep. Never why. 
Exactly, exactly. And that's the biggest difference in the way that we work and mm-hmm. the way that we mm-hmm. approach this now, particularly in the Freedom Group. So as you were going through this, a lot of brain space, a lot of time and energy were all focused on going back and forth from all these different plans. How did it affect your life and what you let yourself do or said yes to or said no to? I never trusted myself. So everything was very tight all the time. I I would avoid going to restaurants. I would avoid social engagements. I would avoid dinner parties. I wanted to control everything. I would take food with me everywhere. Um, as you, you and I joke about, I'd travel with a scale. <laughs> I, I didn't know if it was okay to mention that, but I do remember <laughs> that because, you know, it's, could you imagine, well, I could imagine the fear that you had that had to have been so strong that you went to some beautiful places, beautiful trips, and you didn't feel in charge enough of yourself to do it without actually bringing a scale with you. Right. And not just a scale, but I would bring a scale and all kinds of cooking paraphernalia and my food scale. And, you know, I mean, not just a scale for my body, but a scale for everything and, and special, special things. And I'd have to, you know, I'm, I mean, lists for my lists of like, what's going to be there and how am I going to manage? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? I mean, it's maddening. So I would, it's like living half a life. Yes. Yes. And with all that going on in your head, you're not really, you're not really enjoying and experiencing experiencing the moments that you had. No, not at all. Of course not. I know no, that yeah. it affected yeah. relationships and sure. parenting time and things like that. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, I think it affected not only relationships, but choices in relationships. So, you know, I was in not a very healthy marriage. And sadly, my husband died of cancer, but our marriage was very troubled. And my choice to even be in that relationship probably stemmed from not feeling good enough about myself to (laughs) make healthy choices in relationships. Exactly. Right. We tend to gravitate towards people that are at our emotional level. And that's what you did, right? You just did what felt comfortable to you. So, you know, you did the best that you could for sure, Julie. And it it ended sadly, but, you know, I know you and I know how smart you are. And I know that, you know, you spent a lot of time searching for a solution. Mm -hmm. What did you used to think to yourself that didn't let you just give up and keep going back and forth between restricting and dieting and binging and emotional eating. What, what did you think that didn't let you give up? I think that I always knew I'd figure it out. Somehow I was going to figure it out that, that this couldn't be the way that people lived. Um, I just thought this isn't a life. Like I, I'm not destined to live this way forever. I'm going to figure it out. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm going to figure this out because, you know, all I was doing was hiding, staying away from people, 
uh, my life was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I just thought like, this isn't, I this is unsustainable. And, mm -hmm. and, and I'm a parent and now I'm a widow. Like this isn't the way to live. Right. This has to change. Right. So you could see that you were not in a place you wanted to be, but you didn't really know as much as you knew and searched. You didn't know what to do to get out of it. Right. Right. So we connected. I remember it. Yep. And when you heard my approach that we use now, what was your reaction? Because it was kind of different from the focus that you had before of what to eat and how much to eat and how to eat, but not why do I want to eat all the time? Right. I remember I got your name from Katherine Hansen, actually, um, because I had read her book, Brain Over Binge, as many people have. Right. She's and wonderful. She is wonderful, and she's also a very kind person. And I had written her a, a letter telling her what was going on with me because her book had resonated so much, and she doesn't work with people, or she didn't, and, and she mentioned you. And so I reached out to you. And at the time, you didn't have the Freedom Group. We worked privately together, and yes. um, you had this private practice. And um, my husband had just died, and my financial situation was a mess. But I remember that after that first conversation, I thought there's, there's something about this woman. I, I've got to figure out a way to pay for this and do this because it's completely different than any other approach. And it was this sense that there was more to it than just the actions, <laughs> you know, that we weren't going to, you weren't going to be asking me how many ounces of chicken I ate at lunch. <laughs> It was, it was about, it was about getting to my thoughts and also learning how to be a full human who can experience negative emotions and not run from them yes. and not try to cover them up. And I had never learned how to do that. You know, I was in my forties already and I had never learned how to do that. Exactly. And that's exactly how we look at emotional eating today which is feeling something that's not comfortable, not necessarily joyous and, and, you know, exciting, but it's part of the human experience to feel ups and downs right. and not to cover them up with eating or drinking or shopping or overdoing anything. Right. And that's what you've really learned how to do, Julian. I know it's an ongoing process for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it becomes easier with time. It does. It does. And it is an ongoing process. And there's a lot of forgetting and remembering and forgetting and remembering. But for sure. I mean, I remember very clearly one day you saying to me something to the effect, and I'm, I'm misquoting, but it was something to the effect of it's a privilege to be alive, <laughs> which I know all too well. And unfortunately, I know you all know all too well. It's a privilege to be alive. And as part of being alive and being human, we have a whole range of emotions and you have to feel them all. You don't, you don't just get to pick the ones that you like. Mm -hmm. And it makes you so much stronger and resilient because things happen, right? If, if anybody's yeah. listening to this in real time right now, we're going through an awful, crazy worldwide experience Right. that nobody asked for and nobody has any control over. And yet, and we're all afraid and we're all worried and we're all nervous 
and we're frustrated, but we have to be able to feel that and still get through our day. And that is exactly what you're able to do now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you enter this new learning process where you learn how to feel your feelings. You learn how to get back in touch with your real hunger and not restrict and not deprive yourself. So, and it's an up and down process, right? Nobody comes in and goes right up to the top, even though that's what everybody would like. Right. But you've done some slips, you've done some backsliding. Mm -hmm. How do you feel and what do you tell yourself to keep getting back up? Well, it's it's been a long time now working with you. And in the beginning, it was much harder. I would slip and I'd feel completely defeated and and it would take me longer to get back up or I was much harsher with myself whenever I had a slip. Okay, so we know it's been up and down. Right. It's been up and down. Um, and what happens now and what, what I've learned how to do is just catch myself and and just begin again with my next choice, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with my next choice. The next time I'm hungry, I make a better choice. That's it. I, I don't love it when I slip. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I also do my best to keep it very uh, neutral. So right. neutral I, and the faster recovery, neutral, faster recovery. And, and just a recognition that like there are periods in my life when everything feels effortless. And there are other periods in my life where it doesn't feel quite as effortless, but either way, my default is self-care that that's where I'm happiest being anyway. And that I always go back there. So there's this sense that I know what to do and I just go back there. And it's not complicated. So whereas when you felt unhappy growing up and losing your husband and all the ups and downs of life that were struggles, now you deal with those same, I mean, there's still struggles, right? But you deal with them differently. Can you give me some examples of what you do for yourself now when life is challenging? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things are not, you know, life is constantly throwing me challenges. I mean, I'm raising a teenage daughter in New York city by myself and that's a whole thing. And now as things come up, a, I anticipate them. Um, and also because of all the work that I've been able to do with you in the freedom group, I self-care is just part of my day. So, you know, I prioritize sleep. And then when I get up, I have a whole morning routine for myself. And I'm not saying anybody has to do these things. These are things I figured out what works for me. But meditation is a big part of my life. Journaling, doing thought downloads. Those are all just regular parts of my day, like brushing my teeth. Exercise has always been there. That's just something I love. So that's also there for me every day. And I know that I love nature. And even though I live in a city, there are lots of parks. And I make sure that no matter the weather, even in a pandemic, I'm outside for some part of my day. So these are things that I build into my routine. I also learned through you to be aware of my energy and the patterns with my energy. And so I know that later in the day, I'm more depleted than I, like most people. Um, And so I make sure that I have space in my afternoon where I decompress 
so that I can kind of recharge for the second half of my evening with my daughter and whatever right. work she has. And so those things are just, they're just non-negotiables for me. Yeah. Your world has gotten bigger again. It's going to have ups and downs like everyone's world, right. but you now can hear yourself and know what you need and give it to yourself without using food as like a fake solution. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful to see, Julie, and I just feel like you have an expansiveness that you didn't have when we yeah. first started together, and you, you're you so honest about yourself, and that you're not perfect, that none of us are, no. yet you're managing your life, and it's not it's not taking over your world like it used to. Right. Therefore, you have the energy to do the work that you do in the world and be a mom and have a relationship and have family. And you're still having enough left over to help those women in our group. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. Cause you know, you never would have been able to do all of those things. No, never. I never would have. I mean, when I met you, I was completely broken. I mean, I was really, it was like the lowest of the low. I never would imagine that now, you know, I'd be doing all of those things you listed and that I'd have love in my life again and yeah. that I'd be, you know, now I'm open to everything, traveling, restaurants, parties, whatever. I mean, we can't do any of those things right now, which is very funny, but <laughs> a few months ago, uh -huh. <laughs> a few short months ago, back when the world was open, I was open um, and I'll be ready to do those things again when it's safe. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, you're living perfectly imperfectly. You're living right. a perfect, imperfect life. Right. I don't know if my grammar is right there. But what, what would you say to the people that are listening that are thinking, nothing works for me. I've tried a million diets. It's me. I just can't do it. I'm broken, as you said when we first met. Hmm. You advise those women. Well, first and foremost, no one's broken. We don't break. <laughs> um, and that it can be a messy and confusing process, but it's so worth it that no matter where you are in your life, no matter how long you've been doing it, I mean, you know, from 11 to, to almost 50, you know, that's a long time to be struggling. And yet I have so much happiness now. Um, so it's never too late to start. And that uh, the, the beauty of working with you cookie is that it's so unique. Like I, I can share what, you know, what I do in my own life that helps me, but for every woman you've worked with, there's a unique formula that works for them. And the, the amazing thing that you do is you help us find our own formula, right? You know, our own diet, our own, our own path for happiness, our own, you know, you, you encourage us to explore what makes us truly happy, what's going to meet our needs, what's our rhythm. And, and it's, it's so important to discover those things at, at any phase of life, whenever, whenever you're hearing this, you know, to get out there and find those things, because on the other side of that is the rest of your life. And, and, you know, that's priceless. I agree. I totally agree. And I think some people have the mindset of, I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't want to look at my feelings. I don't want to feel worse than I do. Just tell me what to eat. 
But as I know personally, and you know personally, it's just not a long-term permanent solution. And that's why in the group together, we help these women learn how to eat naturally, not like somebody on a diet forever, how to manage their mind, their thoughts, their feelings, the whole works. And as you said, how to bring loving self-care into your life, because that's our job, right? We, you know, a lot of women think, well, I'm going to meet someone who's going to take care of me. But if we don't know how to take care of ourselves, we couldn't even delegate that job if, if that were a good thing to do. Right. And it's not a good thing to do. We need to be able to take care of ourselves in a kind, compassionate way. And food is pleasurable, but that's not the way for self-care. Right. 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 You're, you're doing that. You're living it, Julie. Even if you have some ups and downs like we all do, you're still light years ahead of where you were. And I love to see the growth that you're experiencing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for... So so grateful to you, really. (laughs) And I just am very appreciative of having you be a part of my life and the group. So Mm. thank you for being open enough and brave enough to share your story to encourage other women to not give up, no matter... No matter what they've been through and how hard it's been, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. That is it for our coaching chat for today. I want you to stay focused on what's possible for you. If it's possible for Julie, it's possible for you. I hope that you were able to relate to some of Julie's story and to know truly that if she could overcome her early experiences and her habits and her upbringing, then for sure you can too. Be sure to sign up for that free video training on ending your emotional eating permanently. It's in the show notes, or you could just go to weightlossmaderealcom slash video training. And if you're ready to work with me, we open the Freedom Group for new members next week. The link to the waitlist is also in the show notes. If you are already on my email list, you'll be among the first to know when you could join me and work with me to create your own transformation. I would love to help you with this. I hope to see you back here next week where we will continue to work on your emotional eating and that habitual overeating step-by-step until they both become something you used to do. We both know that is your ultimate goal. So for now, this is your Coach Cookie reminding you that as you search for answers, keep it real, just like you. And I'll see you next week.